Good day, everybody, and welcome back to the House of Mario. This encore, we celebrate 25 years of the Pokemon series by taking a trip back to the Unova region that was introduced during Pokemon Black and White in 2010. And this is a region that's uh, very divisive in the Pokemon community, mainly because it introduced so many changes and sort of design differences between the Pokemon, especially at the time. Mainly because this region is based off of... Uh, New York State in the United States of America compared to the other previous four regions that were based in real places in Japan. So there's a lot of different design choices about these games. And I think for the most part, people look back on these games very fondly. They were a very nice change of pace for the Pokemon series. Obviously, you still got your eight badges and all of that, but um, a lot of the designs were quite different. And um, especially looking back on them now where Pokemon, uh, the Pokemon company are actually sort of relying on nostalgia a little bit too heavily. Um, these were absolutely fantastic because you couldn't catch a Pikachu before the Elite Four, which uh, these days is crazy because now you can get Pikachu and Charizard everywhere, it seems. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, just an absolutely fantastic set of games. And I know there's a lot of passion in the Pokemon community for these games, especially among sort of the more hardcore fans out there. Um, but first of all, let's talk about the Pokemon before we dive into the actual region itself. And the Pokemon that were introduced are really quite different, like I said, compared to a lot of the other Pokemon. And this is also the region that introduced the most amount of brand new Pokemon out of any other game in the whole series. And not only that, it was actually more than the initial run of Pokemon. The very first run of Pokemon was 151, including Mew. But in uh, Unova, it includes 156 Pokemon, which is a lot. <laughs> it's just a crazy amount. Usually these days, they sort of add less than 100 because you know, it's getting a lot of Pokemon. There's, it's a approaching uh, 1,000 Pokemon. And that's not considering Alolan forms, Galarian forms, you know, different gender variants and all that type of thing. So it is getting a lot. But this is the region for introduce a huge slew of them. And uh, a lot of them are quite great. I want to get off the bat that, you know, a lot of uh, Unova gets sort of put down because of, you know, the ice cream Pokemon, you know, Vanillax, you know, Trubbish, Garbodor. You know, people just point to them and go, what? This Pokemon's based off a garbage bag. What is this? That's just rubbish. Pokemon, you know, Game Freak and the Pokemon company are running out of ideas. It's like, dudes, this is, for a start, this is Pokemon. You know, they can... Generation 1, they made a Pokemon out of like Magnemite, a bunch of magnets. They made a Pokemon out of an actual Pokeball, just with eyes. They made a Pokemon out of Sludge. Sludge is even sort of less inspired than a garbage bag in some ways. <laughs> like, you know, whatever. Like, And, you know, Muck and Grimer are looked at pretty cool. They're pretty cool Pokemons. Like, especially from the anime, I think the anime sort of really gave them character, especially Muck. How it always comes out the Pokemon and gives Ash a big hug. And you can just imagine how disgusting that would be. <laughs> but Garbodor, I guess he has a lot more going on just like with a straw as an arm. He's like, you know, pretty gross. He reminds me of Raremon from Digimon. Um, I only sort of know that Digimon because of Tamago uh, the Tamagotchis. I had him on my Tamagotchi. <laughs> and uh, Raremon was basically the Digimon that evolved from the rookie stage if you didn't look after your Digimon very well. He just turned <laughs> he just turns into a big piece of shit, <laughs> literally. <laughs> I'm not even exaggerating there. It is just like sewage. Um, but if you look after Raremon, I remember he evolved in Tyranimon, which was like the best version. So you have to go like the worst route. Then you have to look after that 
really bad Digimon to then get Tranamon. But this is not a uh, 25th anniversary Digimon podcast, so we go down too far. But I'm just going to go through the list of uh, the uh, Unovan Pokemon and sort of pick out my favorites. But to start off things, I just want to say, um, you know, Snivy, Tepig, and Oshawott, they're a great set of starter Pokemon. They're actually really cool. Um, you know, Snivy, it, over, the, over the years, it sort of lost its luster for me. It was originally my first Pokemon that I chose in Pokemon White, oh, sorry, Pokemon Black version I played through. Um, but, it's, you know, Superior, it kind of, I don't know. It's really cool. And when I first saw it, but when I used it, I just, don't know, it sort of lost its luster a bit. And I never liked Embora. I've sort of stated that, um, you know, the firefighting really turned me off for the third time in a row. But I do acknowledge that people out there really like this Pokemon, and you know, deep, deep down in my heart, I know it's not a bad Pokemon. I know it's a, I know it's a cool Pokemon, but I don't know. I think there's just that history um, with how I felt at the time. I'm like, no. But um, Oshiwat evolving to Dewat and Samurot, my favourites. Absolutely love them, and uh, they're actually in the new Pokemon Legends game. Which, uh, to be honest, out of those three, they've mixed up the starters in the brand new game where you get to uh, choose between, was it Cyndaquil, Rowlet, and Oshawott? I think I'm going to go Oshawott. Oshawott is my favorite. He's one of my favorite starter Pokemon out of the whole series. I I can't believe how much Oshawott grew on me over the years. When I first saw it, it got, that Pokemon got so much shit like a lot of the other um, Gen 5 Pokemon. A lot of people just pointed at him and said, oh, I hate that thing because it's like a, it's a little bit ugly, you know, but at the same time, it's very cute. I don't know. It's kind of a weird thing. But over the years, it really, really grew on me. So Oshawa, one of my favorite Pokemon, or favorite starter Pokemon just in the whole series, let alone um, just the starters for this game. Uh, but sort of, there's a, also like a trio of uh, different elemental monkeys. Um, so there's Pansage, that is a grass-type Pokemon. There's Panseer, that is a fire-type Pokemon. And there's Panpaw, which is a water-type Pokemon. And these are... A Pokemon that are offered at the very start of the game and sort of depending on what starter Pokemon you got, uh, you're gifted one of these Pokemon. Um, you know, and I think uh, these aren't that popular, you know, but at the time it was kind of cool just to see like uh, another group of starters almost. Um, but yeah. Um, Blitzel and Zeb Striker, uh, electric zebra Pokemon, which are really, really awesome. They're not um, the greatest stats or anything, but they're kind of like an electric ponytail for this region. Um, a lot of these Pokemon sort of uh, mirror Pokemon in the Kanto region. So you sort of see that a lot here. Like even to the point where uh, Timber, Girder, and Concorder, they are the uh, the fighting staples, I guess, of this region. And they evolve the same way like Machoke, Machamp, and Machop. I just said that in reverse for some reason, but they're, the, they're the, um, basically the, the mirrors of them. And Concordur, that was always a Pokemon where I didn't like as well. But um, over the years, and I think especially in Pokemon Sword and Shield, it grew on me a lot because, you know, sort of seeing it a lot in competitive battle. So I don't mind Concordur anymore. Not so much. Um, some of my most hated Pokemon, Throw and Squawk, which are like uh, karate Pokemon in, the, in their, uh, I don't know, what are they called? Doos? No, I, I can't, I don't know. I'm not that into uh, martial arts, but... Um, yeah, they look a bit silly in their karate outfits, but who knows? If I ever use them in a playthrough, maybe they'll grow on me. But uh, hasn't happened yet. Uh, Lilligant, really cool. Um, basic like this, uh, I guess, lily bulb thing, which uh, looks very elegant. <laughs> the grass type Pokemon. Uh, there's Crocodile, which is like a, a crook crocodile. Really cool. Got like um, uh, black around its eyes, sort of uh, looking like sunglasses. 
I know that's one of Bryce's favorite Pokemon. And we um we both did like a bit of a write up on player two net for a friend of our Paul James. Um and <laughs> I just basically just said, Oh no, nah, it's no good. <laughs> just the troll Bryce. I quite like Crookedile, he's pretty cool. Uh, Zoroark, uh, kind of like, I guess, the equivalent of maybe Lucario in these games. Got a really cool ability, Illusion, where um, it sort of takes the form of the first Pokemon in your team. So you can send it out, and if you've got like a Gyarados, for example, and you know it'll take the form of Gyarados, and your opponent will go, well, I'm going to use an electric move on that because it's four times effective against a water flying type. And when it uses it, then... Um, Zoroark will change back into its normal form and yeah it's kind of like good to bluff your opponent in some ways and uh, there's been some pretty good cool uses in competitive battle where it's like you know your opponent thinks they've got you they've absolutely nailed you with a super effective move but it turns out you just got trolled by Zoroark um, keep going down so there's Gavantula which is uh, an electric tarantula just a just an absolutely amazingly designed Pokemon. It's, it's like cute and cool at the same time. Uh, one of the only electric bug types. I think it was the first electric bug at this point. Um, yeah. There's a Ferrothorn as well, which is a, a grass steel Pokemon. Evolves from Ferro Seed, which is like this grass steel seed. Evolves into like this almost like lawnmower. <laughs> um, not a lawnmower. I don't know. It's like this big seed with more seeds coming out of it. I guess it's kind of like a like you know a natural plant which uh, spawns more seeds. Um, oh, one of my all-time favorite Pokemon, Chandelure, evolving from Litwick and uh, Lampent. Ah, just uh, like it's a ghost chandelier, absolutely amazing Pokemon. I, 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 every single time I played through the Unova games, whether it was black and white or black and white too, always, always had a Chandelure. I could not have it. I loved it so much. Chandelure and uh, Samurott, um, just. Some of my favorite Pokemon, Gavantula. Um, there's Hydreigon, which is just a really cool dark dragon type, the pseudo-legendary of the region. Um, obviously based on the um, three-headed dragon. So it's got like heads on its end of its arms. It's really, really quite a cool Pokemon. And then there's Legendaries too, which we'll get into a bit later. So there's absolutely a lot to love about the Pokemon introduced in the Unova region, Generation 5. Uh I don't understand so much why I get so much shit now, but you know, these Pokemon are very different. So if you're a Gen 1 out there and you're like, I don't like Generation 5, well, yeah, fair enough. Everyone to their own. It doesn't matter too much. I'm not going to get offended. Um, just like you're not going to get offended. <laughs> if you are offended, I'm sorry. I don't want a man to offend you. I'm just here trying to record a podcast by myself. I'm not trying to offend anyone. I'm not saying anything that bad. I'm just saying Generation 5 is pretty sweet. Pretty goddamn sweet if you ask me. All right, so before we jump into the Unova region, uh, just some changes that Generation 5 brought with Pokemon Black and White. So one of the biggest ones and the most noticeable ones would be the aesthetic changes, both in battle and out of battle. Um, this game really did utilize the DS to its full uh, capacity, pretty much. It introduced like different sort of camera angles, 3D elements in uh, cities, and also completely animated Pokemon battles. So this was the last game to uh, use sprites in the uh, Pokemon battles, and the whole game is completely animated. Um, and while the initial sort of screenshots of this game looked really pixelated because of how the game is animated, when it's actually in motion, it looks absolutely fantastic. And I think uh, these animated sprites, honestly, for the most part, have a lot more life in them than the 3D models from Pokemon X and Y and onwards have. Um, 
it's sort of, it's like I would love to see them go back to maybe something like this where whether it's just animated or it is sprites again, it would be cool to see. But um, yeah, it just gives this sort of these games and this region just a completely different feel to what we had before. Um, then also there were triple battles introduced. So um, Generation 3, they introduced <laughs> double battles. And uh, come to Generation 5, I guess I'll like, well, we need another battle mechanic. Let's do triple battles. And triple battles, they didn't stay around too long. Not too long at all. So just reading this from Cerebis, just so I get the full description in. So following from uh, double battle styles introduced in Pokemon Ruby and Sapphire, Black and White introduced the evolution uh, evolution of multi-Pokemon battles and brings the triple battles. Uh, triple triple battles involve you sending out your Pokemon. Uh, sorry, involve you sending out half of your team against your opponent. As such, new mechanics are brought into move targeting to allow for all three opponents to be targeted and moves that will hit uh, all five other Pokemon on the field. Yeah, right. Uh, triple battles are primarily found in Pokemon White. Oh, that's right. They, um, yeah, okay. And uh, so they introduced triple battles and there was also a completely other battle mechanic called rotation battles. And rotation battles, very similarly, you have three Pokemon on the field, but you're also sort of thinking about what Pokemon is in play and which you're sort of trying to guess what your other opponent might move onto the field um, in order to maybe counter what you're doing or vice versa. So also from Cerebi, uh, another new battle feature is Rotation Battle. This battle is set out like a triple battle, but has a brand new means to battle. Here, like with triple battles, you send out three Pokemon. However, the stage your Pokemon are on can rotate. You can only battle... Uh, one Pokemon versus one Pokemon with the other Pokemon pushed to the back. However, when you're battling, you will have the ability of rotating the stage clockwise or anti-clockwise, making another of your Pokemon the main Pokemon you intend to use. This does not take away your turn and you will have the ability to uh, attack immediately with your new main Pokemon. The rotation appears to be the first thing that uh, happens in the turn, so speed is calculated after the rotation. And I think for the most part, a lot of uh, the Pokemon community is kind of like, yeah, don't really like this feature that much. And I think maybe Game Freak kind of agreed with that. It never sort of reared its head after Pokemon Black and White and Pokemon Black and White 2. So, yeah, it's kind of a feature a lot of us have forgotten about. But when thinking about these games, it was sort of a prominent thing. It was like on the back of the box and it was like a thing in the advertising. But when you play through the actual games, it didn't come up that much. So it wasn't like a a big thing you sort of thought about necessarily. Um, there were no gym battles or anything that really made use of this mechanic, unlike, you know, the double battles. That was a massive thing when that was introduced, and that's gone on to be, like, the most viable um, battle style for competitive play as well. It's the most interesting, and um, it's just sort of the one that stuck around. But, yeah, th- triple battles, rotation battles, didn't see the light of day for a long time. Alrighty, so let's jump into the Unova region. So this information is from Bulbapedia. So Bulbapedia, thank you very much for the write-up here. And uh, it is. Uh, The Unova region is a region of the Pokemon world. It is a sitting of Pokemon Black and White and Pokemon Black and White 2. It was the fifth uh, core series region to be introduced. It's far away from the other large regions. And the Pokemon which inhabit Unova are diverse and different from those in Kanto, Johto, Hoenn, and Sinnoh. In the... In uh, his director's column, Junichi Masuda suggested that the geographically and social background of Unova draws inspiration from New York, Manhattan areas. 
though it is ge- geograph- geograph- <laughs> just falling over my word here. Uh, ge- geographically uh, based on New York City, it draws inspiration from its landmarks and its entire state of New York, which features a mixture of rural locations and urban areas, as well as factory towns and industrial complexes. So sorry for tripping over uh, geographically. I don't know what happened there. But it's a region that's, um, you know, it's the first region to be based on anywhere outside of Japan. So it was very much set that this region was very far away. Uh, you'll see no, absolutely no um, familiar Pokemon. They'll all be brand new. And this was ma- maybe the only region that really did offer a completely new experience. Maybe something similar to when you first played through Pokemon Red and Blue all the way back in 1996. Um, because... Every single Pokemon is brand new. You've never seen them before, new characters and all that. And it was really, really awesome. It's a little bit of a shame that this was the second generation of Pokemon that was on the DS. Um, Around 2010 and in 2011 when these games came out in English in the West, you know, it was time for the 3DS. The 3DS was in full, you know, it was about to come out. And while there wasn't that much to play on 3DS, you know, a lot of people's minds were like on the next thing, you know, what's Pokemon going to be like on 3DS and... I think for the most part, a lot of people kind of miss this one because of that. Because um, Pokemon Diamond and Pearl sold a lot better, being at a bit more prime time for the DS. And I think at the end of the day, it's a bit of a shame because I would have loved to see maybe not every region be like completely different and just a massive shakeup for the um, next game. But I definitely, I definitely would have liked to see another go at this type of like big, ambitious new type of region. But uh, unfortunately, that wasn't the case. It sold uh, not as well. I don't have the exact stats up here, but it doesn't really matter. It's uh, it's done. <laughs> All right, so uh, just a little bit on the legendary Pokemon Reshiram and Zekrom. So Unova was created by uniting the warring peoples of the land, of the land by twin heroes. They used a single dragon sometime more than two... Uh, 2,500 years ago, the brothers started to argue over their beliefs. The, the elder brother sought truth, and the younger brother sought ideals. The argument split the single dragon into Reshiram, who sided with the older brother, and Zekrom, who sided with the younger brother. Since they were both born from the same dragon, neither could defeat one another, and the brothers declared that there was no right side. However, eventually their sons continued the fight, and both the dragons started to battle again, destroying the Unova region with their fire and lightning powers before disappearing. Some time after the original dragon had been split into Zekrom and Reshiram, <laughs> Zekrom, sorry, Reshiram and Zekrom, uh, one of the two brothers in their respective dragon created Relic Castle, which was the seat of a new civilization of people and Pokemon. So, really sort of interesting story how um, these brothers were able to split the original legendary Pokemon into Zekrom and Reshiram. And also how Kirim, basically the third legendary Pokemon of this story, is basically just like a big dragon husk that was split. Um, and it was just left. So, you're just left with this like husky, dead dragon ice type. And just the whole idea of that concept is really, really, actually really cool. Um, And that's another thing with these games. There's just so much story in this that uh, I would have to say that 
Pokemon Black and White, and especially sort of how it leads on with a sequel, Pokemon Black and White 2, there's a lot to dig into here. There's a lot to dig into here. Um, but I must say, for this episode, we mainly will be covering the events of Pokemon Black and White. If you would like to hear more um, about Pokemon Black and White 2, leave it in the comments on YouTube. Uh, send me a tweet or a DM on Twitter. Just let me know. So, hey, that'd be cool to hear. Um but apart from that, we've got plenty of content here, so I'm not going to be rushing to cover those games. <laughs> we've got plenty more regions to go. And I don't have three hours in me. I've done a two and a half, whatever episode's been, been two hours and like 10 minutes. I'm like, you know, that's a long time to be talking like this just by yourself. That's a long time. Um, but, you know, I could do it. I don't know. We'll see. All right. So before we jump into the music, um, a bit of a trivia. And uh, the Unova region has a bit of trivia, which is actually quite cool. So you know that you know that is the first core series region to be based on the real world region outside of Japan. We knew that. <laughs> Unova is also the region that has the most settlements with 21. Unova is the only region without an actual or former rock type gym leader uh, in the generations that introduced gyms, a new psychic specialist um, as as Caitlin was introduced in generation three, no sorry four. About to say, I don't recognize her from Generation 3. Uh, <laughs> she's an Elite 4 member um, in the Sinnoh region. Uh, a regional Pokedex that starts with a grass-type um, Pokemon. Um, and that's because uh, Victini is actually Pokemon Zero. So the grass-type Pokemon is still at number one, but since there's a Zero Pokemon in the Pokedex, it's not the first one. <laughs> um, the evolution families of Pikachu, Machop, Goldeen, and Magic uh, Magikarp in its Pokedex, so the only Pokedex without um, them in the Pokedex, which is a bye-bye Pikachu. You don't realize Machop is in every single one. Goldine, Goldine as well. Goldine's just so bland, you just don't even think about it, I guess. Uh, Unova is the only main region which does not use a uh, romanization of the Japanese name in its English name, and the only region whose name is different among all translations of the game. Okay. Uh, except for uh, Black and... Uh, sorry, Black City and White Forest. All names of cities and towns in Unova come from different types of cloud or cloud phenomena. Likewise, except Black City and White Forest, all Japanese names of cities and the towns in Unova come from uh, come from traditional patterns. Uh, in some of the pre-release material in the United Kingdom, Unova was referenced as Alios. Okay, I wonder where that I wonder where that name comes from. Uh, Unova is tied with Gala as the most gym leaders with 14 in total. Um, and that's because like, you know, the, the first gym, you know, you rotate between the uh, the brothers who all have one of the different elemental monkeys. So there's three just in the one gym. Um, there's, uh, um, there's the dragon type gym that has the two gym leaders, depending on which version of the game you're playing. So they double up and sort of triple up in some cases on the gym leaders. Whereas in the uh, the Gala region, it sort of rotates depending on um, what what the league's doing at the time because it kind of works like a football leaderboard in the Gala region, which is awesome. Can't wait to uh, talk about that a bit more. Um, Unova has the most gyms in cities with all 11 of them. Sinnoh and Kalos also have all their gyms in cities but only have eight, gym, uh, eight gyms each. Unova is the only region with multiple gyms uh, specialized in the same type. Uh, with uh, Stradion City, which also specializes in grass and fire, and uh, Hamulia uh, Gym, uh, both specializes in water types. And, uh, okay, 
Uh, and Unova is the only region to have two victory roads because in black and white too, you need to go down a different victory road, I guess. <laughs> All right, so let's, uh, let's jump into this brand new Pokemon adventure. And uh, once again, we're at the very start of the game. And uh, we first come across the Professor. And Professor Juniper is also the uh, the first female Pokemon Professor in the whole series, which is really cool. It's kind of... Um, oh, it's, not, it's not weird that it took this long to get one, but uh, it is nice to have a bit of a change-up compared to, like, the old man. <laughs> And, uh, you know, she's no different. She's not that old, but she does ask if, um, you know, how old you are. And doesn't ask what your rival's name is. Your rival is uh, has names. Your rival has names. <laughs> and we start the, the game very much like every other Pokemon game at this point. And we start it in Nuvramaria. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, Nuvramaria Town. A rural town whose sea breeze gives the sense of something coming. And yeah, there's three houses and a Pokemon uh, laboratory in this. Very much similar to every other Pokemon game. Not too much going on here. And uh, this game opens up a little bit different. So we actually come across our rivals at the very start. And we uh, have a bit of a Pokemon battle in our bedroom. And we m mess it up a fair bit. And I remember when this happened, I was like, wow, this is, this is cool. Battling inside, this is nuts. Other Pokemon games didn't even let us run inside, let alone have a bit of a Pokemon battle. So introducing us to our first rival is Charon. And uh, Charon is a rival in Pokemon Black and White and, po and the gym leader in uh, Pokemon Black and White too. Uh, he's known officially uh, as uh, Asperia uh, Gym uh, in Pokemon Black and White too. As a gym leader, he's special as a normal type Pokemon. But basically for this game, he's just like, I guess, your good rival. Whereas uh, Bianca's sort of, you know, just like is like your friend who you can beat pretty easy. So Charon is a childhood friend of the player who also lives in the starting town, Numova Town. <laughs> Don't know why I can't say things today. Uh, as he holds a greater degree of knowledge about Pokemon than his friends, he tends to offer the player advice during the course of their journey. His comments are often witty and intellectual. <laughs> uh, he also misunderstands Bianca's humor often uh, to her dismay. While Professor Juniper describes him as being very honest, she also remarks that he can be a little difficult. His impatience is uh, particular and is often seen throughout uh, the earlier stages of his journey. He's described as being quite judgmental by Aldia. So he's a he's a pretty cool trainer, and um, you know, going into the sequel games, him becoming gym leader is like a really nice arc, and it's something we haven't really seen since the original games where Blue becomes gym leader in you know, uh, Pokemon Gold and Silver. So we've got a, a bit of a similar arc there. And uh, our second rival, so one of the first games to give us two rivals. I know like we had Wally and stuff like that in previous games, but um, Bianca sort of had a bit, like, a lot more of a, a story and all that in the, these games. Ooh, she's got a nice little theme here. <laughs> So she is the rival character in Pokemon Black and White, and then she becomes the assistant to uh, Professor Juniper in Pokemon Black and White too. 
And uh, Bianca, Ashley, in Pokemon Black and White too, she's the one who offers uh, your player character your starter Pokemon. So she she comes a fair way in the in the sequels. But um, like the player, uh, Bianca lives in the starting town uh, of Uvima Town, and she's also a childhood friend to the player. Uh, through being described as a as flighty by Professor Juniper and Sharon, she also has a strong and determined side, which is which demonstrates by embarking on a Pokemon journey despite her father's strong opposition. Uh, this is emphasized in Nubasa City, where her father disallows her to become a Pokemon trainer. Uh, with the help of a Nubasa City gym leader, uh, Eliza, uh, Bianca uh, convinces her father to let her follow her dream. Oh, skipping ahead here. So, pretty cool rivals, and they both have the same battle music, which, uh, like a lot of the music in this game, slaps. This game slaps. So let's listen to it a bit. So these guys are a big part of the story in uh, Generation Five, and you know they're pretty good. They're not like they're not like super mem- memorable. I remember Charon was pretty cool, and um, you know he comes across as like like it said, like pretty intellectual and stuff. But he's not like the asshole um, a lot of the earlier generations sort of gave us. So I, I think he, he was a good middle ground compared to maybe some of the other rivals, say um, in the last couple of generations where. They just became just like, we're so friendly. I love you. But yeah, you know, you're just good friends. You're good childhood friends, but you are competitive still. All right, so let's move on to a little bit more about Professor Juniper. And this is the theme here. And uh, Professor Juniper is a resident Pokemon professor of Unova... <laughs> not Unova. Uh, Nuvamatown. New- New- I'm really struggling with that. I'm sorry, everyone. And uh, her specialty is the origins of Pokemon. Uh, professor Juniper didn't... Po- uh, debuted in Pokemon Black and White, where like other professors, she will give the player uh, a Pokedex in her lab. However, she leaves a present containing the starter Pokemon at the player's house for the player. Bianca and Sharon, uh, for the player, Bianca and Sharon, sorry. Uh, she also demonstrates to the player how to capture their first Pokemon, a level 2 Patrat, with her level 7 uh, Minchino. Over the course of the game, if the player visits her lab, Professor Juniper will hand out a total of three TMs, depending on the number of, you know, the Pokedex Pokemon the player has seen. And uh, by the looks of it here, that's, that is False Swipe, Protect, and Hidden Power. So, False Swipe is always good if you want to complete your Pokedex. Make sure you go and see Professor Juniper for that one. And uh, you get them all if you see uh, 115 Pokemon. There you go. Alright, so Professor Juniper, a good character. I think she's pretty memorable because she was the first uh, Professor Pokemon. Professor Pokemon. A female professor in the Pokemon series. So we move on to the laboratory and yeah, this is where we have a bit more of a chat with her before going on to Route 1. So let's go ahead. And Route 1, very similar to all Route 1s. Uh, I think uh, up to this point in the series, you know, 
we're still very much on the the trope of being in a small town and going to route one where we find our our rat our bird all of that stuff and I don't to be honest that hasn't changed does it <laughs> even Pokemon Sword and Shield it's like at least there's a bit more dimension I think it's only one house no it's two houses no, it's still two houses in Pokemon Sword and Shield okay but this is where we have our first encounter. Let's say it's a Patrat. Patrat's cool. He's okay. He's fun. Uh, so let's have our first Pokemon battle. This battle music's really cool. I absolutely love the battle music from this game, and I think uh, a lot of the other themes too are really great. So hopefully that invokes a little bit of nostalgia, because man, we are getting to the point where this game is over ten years old, which is nuts. <laughs> I don't know how time has gone that quick, but thinking back to when I was playing these games, you know, 2010, I was year ten at school, <laughs> at high school, so. No, I've been out of high school a long time at this point, so yeah. But it just feels like it doesn't feel like old at all. And even like think about Pokemon X and Y and other games in the series, they're getting older too. I'm getting old. It's that sudden realization, and I'm sure uh, some of you guys have gone out there, gone through this before. And if you haven't, you will. Because <laughs> I know, like friend of the show, Metadox, these were his first Pokemon games, and. You know, four years ago or so when we, uh, you know, first met through the podcast, I was like, you know, they're, they're relatively new games. You're a little tacker. You've just uh, recently got into the series. But even now, it's like, you know, he's been in the Pokemon for 10 years, let alone the people that started at the very beginning where, <sighs> where Pokemon Red and Blue were just... When you when I think about Pokemon turning 25 years, it really is, oh, it's 25 years. It's pretty, it's pretty new compared to... Mario and Zelda that are 10 years older than it but when you really think about it 25 years is such a long time especially especially for someone like me I'm 26 so it really has been with me my whole life wow I didn't expect to get that out of uh, the battle music for <laughs> Pokemon Black and White but here we are so we, we beat our Pat Rat congratulations congratulations um he's gone up a level congratulations Oh, I love this. Oh, here we go. Here's the, uh, here's the fire it meme. If you know what I'm talking about. Dum, dum, dum. So this is, uh, uh, Accumulia, uh, Accumulia Town, sorry. And this town offers great views due to its many hills. This is the first town you come across. And, uh, yeah, it's, um, quite a small town. And this is where you actually come across, uh, one of the new features in the, in the, um, in the game where you actually can go to I forgot what it's called is it called the Dreamscape can't quite remember but um, places of interest in this town are the town square so in the center of town is an open park like area uh, it is here that Team Plasma made their first speech and Getsus encourages the citizens of Accumula to release their Pokemon 
After Getsus leaves, N appears out of the crowd and tries to listen and talk to the player's Pokemon. It is later revealed that uh, the Pokemon told N that it was happy to be with the player. After he, after he communicates with the player's Pokemon, he challenges the player to a battle. So Team Plasma, Getsus, and N are all characters very, very important to the story of Unova, and we'll talk about them a little bit later. And there's also, in this town, there's also Pokemon Rock, Paper, Scissors. I can't remember this, so I'm going to read this. So in a house in the northwest of town, uh, there is a little girl who uh, will challenge the player to a game of Rock, Paper, and Scissors. Instead of using Rock, Paper, and Scissors, the game uses Fire, Grass, and Water. Okay. Well, there you go. There you go. Just what everyone needed to know. All right. So being the first town, this is where we get our come along music, getting described what uh, the Pokemon is, what the Pokemon Center is, you know, all of that important stuff. And it hasn't changed at all. <laughs> it's the same. Oh, I find this stuff so catchy. <laughs> I always get this part part of like the episodes when I'm doing uh, the regions. It's like, yeah. This bit. If anyone out there is uh, cool enough to be binging these episodes, first of all, thank you very much. But I'm sorry for repeating the exact same thing. It's like the same. This 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 song is the same everywhere. So, the Pokemon Center theme hasn't changed since... Uh, it only changed once in Generation 3. Apart from that, they're like, tell you what, that original theme we did, keep it. <laughs> Still good. Right, so let's move on to Route 2. And Route 2, it actually has two different variations here for seasons. And yeah, this is a good opportunity to talk about the new feature in Pokemon Black and White. So these games introduce seasons. So there's summer, winter, autumn, and spring. Yes, that's the one I missed. And uh, depending on what season the games are in, it rotates throughout the uh, DS's clock. I think every week. It rotated um, off the top of my head. So you don't have to wait real seasons. That would be a bit a bit hard to complete your Pokedex and all that otherwise. But depending on what season it was, it determined what Pokemon were available on that route and obviously what the weather effects in that were. So a pretty cool feature to have. Um, I don't think this feature ever come back in other Pokemon games. And like while it seems like a great idea, it's sort of like the next natural evolution from a day and night cycle in a Pokemon game. But... I don't know, sort of um, having to wait that long was always like a bit annoying if you were after a particular thing and you couldn't get it because it's just the wrong time. And personally for me, I always hated changing my clock, whether it's an Animal Crossing, Pokemon, whatever it is. It's just like, I feel like I'm cheating. So yeah, it wasn't about that life necessarily. So this is the summer music. I'm sorry, this is the spring music. I'm keen to see what the difference would be from summer. Let's see if we can see the difference. Bit of a different starting there. Yeah. Okay. Alright, so while we're on Route 2, let's get into our first Pokemon battle. So, we're going to go through all the encounter music from all the different Pokemon trainer classes in this game. So, there's a few of them, you know. But I want to get through all of them. I won't be too long on each one. So, first of all, we encounter Alas. 
And as we know, the lasses, they mean business in the Pokemon world. They will crush you with their, not Clefairy in this game, but they might have an Ordino or something. All right, so next up we have Encounter with Twins. <laughs> the twins are always cute. You know, they're little kids, they want to challenge you to a bit of a Pokemon, a battle. All right, so now we got the clerk. All right, here we go. Smashing the piano, the clerk here. That's good, I like that. All right, next up is the backpacker. Oh, the backpacker never changes. <laughs> the hiker. All right, next up, Paracel Lady. All right, now we have an encounter with a scientist. Just like creepy music, yeah. Now we have a encounter with the psychic trainer class. Ooh. Listen to this. <laughs> Next up, we have an encounter with a roughneck. Which is just like... The redneck. <laughs> trainer class, roughneck. Well, all right. Now we have the ice trainer. Eh, not as cool as the other ice trainer music, I'll admit. Not too bad though. Piano just bashing out again. All right. Now we have the gentleman. Oh yes, let me challenge you to a Pokemon battle. Here I'll only use my finest moves against you, but I won't go easy. Because I've got a lot of money, and that means I have to spend a lot of money when I lose. And I'm a big tight ass, so bad luck for you. Alright, next up we've got the cyclist. We all know this bloody cyclist trainer class. Just never get off the goddamn road. They make you slow down to 10k's an hour when you go behind them. Especially when there's just double lines on the road, you can't get past them. Bloody cyclist trainer classes, tell you what. The bloody worst. Isaac Butterfield would be ashamed. Alright, so next up the encounter with the Pokey fan. And you can tell they're a Pokey fan. They're, they are ready to battle. They're ready to kick your ass. Alright, so without further ado, let's jump into the Pokemon battle theme. So good. I don't know about you guys, but this is one of the best themes in the series. This battle music is absolutely excellent. Um, going through Generation 4's last week, I'm like, I don't know, it doesn't hit like I remember it hitting, but Generation 5, man, it's got some great music. I can't believe it, we're already 40 minutes into this goddamn podcast, I don't know how. We're up to the goddamn train of battle music, but if you've made it this far and you haven't played Generation 5... Definitely recommend trying to get a copy on DS and playing it on your 3DS or whatever you have 
to um, play through this region. Absolutely fantastic, Ken. I know that it is selling like for a hundred plus dollars for a second-hand copy because this game hasn't been re-released anywhere or whatever, and um, you know, Pokemon Pokemon games just sell for heaps anyway. But definitely do recommend trying to play through this. Absolutely fantastic game. All right, so we're gonna we're going to win against uh, this battle. So congratulations to us. Well done. Well done. Congratulations. <laughs> you beat the lass who we had the first battle with. So well done. Going going on around route two, we also get a nice item. Congratulations. Congratulations. Alright, so then we move on to uh, 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 Straton City. Um, and the description for this city is Entry stairs built into memory of former home and in a snowier climate. So this also has a gym, I believe. So what are the places of interest in this town? So there's a trainer school. Um, there's a garden. Wow, it just says garden. So what, what's, what significance does the garden have? So on the west side of Stratton City, there is a hedge garden surrounded by water. It contains hedge walls, a uh, Pikachu and Pidov shaped hedges, Pansier, Pampor and Pansage shaped hedges uh, were added in Pokemon uh, Black and White 2. Okay, cool. Uh, the Stratton Gym, which is actually, yeah, look, okay, so this is the town with the gym leader. So Stratton uh, Stratton Gym is the official gym of Stratton City. It's based on fire, water, and grass type Pokemon. The gym leaders are Chili, uh, uh, Tress, and uh, Chillin. So we'll talk a bit more about the gym leaders a little bit later, but I thought this was a really cool concept, sort of changing up the gym leaders. And the gym's ba sort of based on a, a restaurant as well, like these guys are waiters. So pretty nice little concept. So on the west side of Stratton City is a... Oh, I already said that. <laughs> so yeah, just like a nice little city with like a, with a nice garden, a gym. Um, it's also where you access the Dream Yard, I believe. Um, which is a pretty significant area where you um, do a lot of the story in and find like sort of the Dream Smoke Pokemon, which is like Mushana, which are just like a really weird sort of concept for a Pokemon. And here's the Dream Yard music here. So here we go. The Dream Yards is overgrown ruins of an abandoned research facility in the southwest of Unova. It is uh, connected to uh, Stratton City in the west. It is home of Muna and Mushana. In Pokemon Black and White, players encounter some of Team Plasma grunts who are kicking in mana to get its Dream Mist. Cut is required to access the building area. After beating Gestus and N in the orange traffic cone is removed. This allows access to the basement and other portions of the area where Grown and the Seven Sages can be found and arrested. Yeah. Uh, Mushana can be found in the basement every Friday, and uh, this was this is this is what I remember the most because I can find my favorite Pokemon in these games. So in Pokemon Black and White too, the player will encounter Latios or Latias upon entering the area. Uh, the Eon Pokemon will lure the player into catching them around the area until it engages in a battle and can be captured. So I remember that because I caught Latias here in those games, and that was very exciting. I love that very much. <laughs> so it's like a, a unique area, sort of based on um, you know. Uh, Muna and Mushana. 
All right, so this is a good time to maybe talk about the evil team that is based in these games. So Team Plasma, and here they are. All right, so Team Plasma is the villainous, villainous team. It's the evil team in Unova. Uh, team Plasma's or original goal was to liberate all Pokemon from their trainers, either by manipulating their trainers to release their Pokemon or by theft. Guesses, Team Plasma's true leader, exploited the group in an attempt to rule Unova as the only one with Pokemon. Two years after Team Plasma's defeat, uh, the group reunited, uh, returned with a new goal to rule Unova by freezing it with Kurum. Uh, so just covering the first games. Um, this game's team is basically based on the real-life animal activist group, Peter. That's what a lot of people sort of compared it to because this team really did question like, is it that ethical to be catching these monsters, using them for your own ideals, making them battle, and, you know, sort of comparing it to, like, you know, real-life things people do with real-life animals that isn't all that ethical, isn't all that nice, and uh, should be put into question maybe what is uh, going on um, with the use of our relationship with animals. And I think uh, for the most part, it's like, yeah, maybe, maybe we shouldn't be battling these Pokemon. But I always, uh, you know, I always think that uh, Pokemon is a completely different universe, completely different world. You can't compare Pokemon to animals necessarily. Um, so I think for the most part, animals do actually, no, not animals, uh, Pokemon do like battling and, you know, teamwork, working with the trainer and that. So uh, I never really like went onto Team Plasma's side, but when you play through the games, gets us. The, uh, the evil, um, I guess, uh, ruler of Team Plasma uh, sort of exploited, as it says right here, exploited the group to like actually have all the power for himself. He wasn't interested in the uh, the good of Pokemon. He just wanted to be the only one with power and take over the Unova region, make it his own. So it is a pretty interesting story how it's all, how it's all set up. Um, but sort of going on with the... Uh, Team Plasma side of things. So there's the seven sages who are a part of uh, Team Plasma. And the seven sages are notable rankings of members of Team Plasma. They are a group of intellectual people from all over the world. This group consists of Grom, uh, uh, Gronius, Rude, uh, Zillion, God, they're all just like ridiculous names, um, blah, 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 and Gessis. You know, I actually can't remember these characters at all apart from just like clicking on them to arrest them at the end of the game. Um, gets us gathered the sages and acts as the initial uh, internal leader. So the sages are met individually throughout the games, but all of them are seen together at N's castle where they block the way to N. All of the gym leaders with expert, uh, uh, ex, uh, sorry, um, the exception of the, uh, of uh, Chill, Cress and Killian uh, appear to clear the way to N. They are typically refrained from battling, giving the grunts to do so for them. So yeah, they like they're they're in the game. They're a big thing, but you never like battle them individually or whatever. So yeah, um, so yeah, like yeah, team team plasma. I think it's like one of honestly the most fleshed out groups in the whole whole series. Like they didn't they didn't want to like distort time and all this like really crazy stuff. Make a new dimension. Um, they weren't just petty thieves, and they didn't even want to sort of like change things up like. Uh, Team Plasma and, um, no, not Team Plasma, Team uh, Aqua and Magma. 
what they want to do. That he just he was just selfish. He wanted all the power for himself. And there's like a lot of crazy backstory to the character Getsus and N, how N was related to Getsus and stuff like that. And we'll get into that as we sort of progress through this episode. But um, a really fascinating team, all in all. All right, so let's go into the team plasma battle music. And this is when you're reversing one of the grunts. So just another fantastic battle theme in this game. So we uh, win a battle against Team Plasma. Congratulations. And maybe we'll even be lucky enough to uh, get a bit of an evolution here. And once again, this is another one of the songs in the, uh, in the Pokemon games that stays very much the same. It's pretty much the evolution theme and the come with me theme. <laughs> So we're out of trouble. Let's move on to uh, Nasarina City. And this is a, a big city with skyscrapers piercing the clouds. And this is the city that is based off New York. So this is the biggest city ever sort of introduced into a Pokemon game. And there's so much to sort of uh, go on here. And there's a lot to explore, especially at this point in the series where you know, 3D wasn't a thing just yet. So the worlds weren't able to be so big. But... Um, just like the pure like population just was really shown pretty well for DS games back in here. Um, actually, I think I got that wrong. Um, not not uh, Narasa City, it was uh, uh, Casta, Castalia City. Sorry about that. So in Castalia City. Where's my music for that? Where's my music for that? Here we go. <laughs> Here we go. Bit of a muck up there. Sorry, everyone. With the music there, sort of out of order. But uh, Castellia City is a large seaside city located at the south central Unova. Unlike other regions, Castellia is a huge sprawling metropolis sporting many towering skyscrapers and tall buildings. Uh, it is at the heart of business and economy at the Unova region, as opposed to its sister city, Nimbasa City which is the heart of leisure and entertainment. Uh, most of the streets are crowded with different people rushing around, trying to get to work, home, and other places, creating a hustle and bustle scene uh, for city life. The city exists at the bottom of the Unova, Unova's uh, central Pennsylvania, um, south of the desert and north of the sea, making a perfect harbour city. Uh, the city only has two possible entrances on foot, 
uh, Route 4, a harsh desert area in the north, and from uh, a Sky Arrow Bridge, a large suspension bridge that connects the southern part of the eastern Pennsylvania to the central Pennsylvania um, and provides a scenic view of uh, Castellina's uh, vast skyline, which spans off in the east. So plenty of stuff to go and explore in uh, this city. So there's the Battle Company, there's the Passerby Analytics HQ, there's Ocean Piers, Liberty Pier, Unity Pier, Prime Pier, the Cruise Dock, uh, Fun Pier, uh, Castellina Street. So this is one of the coolest ones. So Castellina Street has many people coming and going, especially during the evenings when people are going home from work. This street has many tall skyscrapers and tall buildings. The Game Freak HQ is on this street, as well as a building where um, in Pokemon Black and White, one Pokemon per day can receive a message to increase its friendship. The second building also has an elevator allowing it access to 11th floor, where a person will give them TM44 rest. So this was like one of the, uh, I guess, biggest marketing materials of the game and this city just because like when you go through it, it's just like hustle and bustle, people everywhere um, coming and going. And we really hadn't seen anything like that being populated so much in a Pokemon game. So it was really cool to see. Um, like I said, so there's Game Freak HQ. So the Game Freak headquarters are located in a large building on uh, Cashelina's uh, street's right side. The building only has um, one accessible floor, which is uh, floor 22, where the player... So where the Game Freak developers can be found. In Pokemon Black and White, a girl can be found on uh, found on the ground floor will tell a story about a Pokemon that can cause illusions and then show the player a photo of Zerora, thus adding it to the Pokedex. Next to her is a young boy who does not talk. If the player has a faithful encounter with Celebi um, in his or her party and talks to the boy, Celebi will come out of its Pokeball and the boy will reveal himself to actually be Zerora and who will then join the player if they have a Pokeball to spare. That's pretty cool. I remember that, actually. Yeah. So that's how you get um, Zero Aura in the game, because it was pretty rare. Apart from that, we've got, we got Mode Street, uh, Studio Castellita, uh, Castellita Cone. What's that? Castellita Cone is a popular ice cream stand in Castellita City, which sells ice cream with the same name as the store, in which Pokemon Black and White, a single Castellita Cone can be purchased once per week on Tuesday for 100 Pokey, except in winter where the stand is closed. Due to its tremendous popularity, the Castellina Cone sells out very quickly with crowds of people coming across Unova and even as far as a cumulus city who have a taste. <laughs> uh, just to have a taste, not who have a taste. That would have been funny though. So yeah, um, oh, there's, there's, heap, there's heaps here. There's Narrow Street, there's Cafe Sonatora, there's uh, Gym Street, uh, Castellina City Gym, there's the Metal Office, the Central Plaza, Castelletta Park, Pokemon Center, Castelletta University. Yeah, it says here that the university, it's not seen, but it's mentioned on TV. Castelletta University is a school which a doctor a technic, <laughs> um, Al Machine, often appears to be uh, a guest expert for moves for living. Okay, there you go, there you go. All right, so just this was like just a, a really cool um city and it's just fun to explore because there was so much to explore especially on the days of the ds there was nothing like this in a generation before uh, especially in um i guess pokemon diamond and pearl like there was just nothing like it and it was only sort of achieved through the the use of the brand new 3d mechanics which is pretty cool 
Alright, so while we're here, let's talk about the gym leaders. And the gym leaders in this game are really, really actually awesome because they play such a huge role in the story. They're always sort of interacting and interacting with the community around their towns. And when you get to a new town, you always meet the gym leader. They're always doing something. They're not just like a stagnant thing in your in your way to, you know, battle, get the badge cool. Completely forgot about you. And, you know, some other regions did this pretty well, but... Um, this was by far the one that brought in the, uh, the gym leaders the best. So before getting to the gym leaders, I reached out on Twitter and just asked people what were some of their favourite things about Pokemon Black and White and the Unova region. And we'll start off with Un- <laughs> not Unova. It's got Unova on the brain so bad, but uh, Nato Johnson. So his answer to my question, he, he just says, Ferris wheel! And the gym leaders feeling alive and active outside of their gyms. And I've got 100% agree with you there, Nato. These gym leaders are absolutely fantastic. And some of them, like, are some of like my favorite designs of gym leaders, too. And they have got so much personality. So let's go through them. So we've got Krillin, Chill, and Cress, who are the first gym leaders. Uh, sort of the, the first lot of uh, three gym leaders in one, one town, which is pretty cool. And that's in Stratton City. So you can earn the trio badge. Ooh, got a bit of battle music. We'll wait for that one, though. Uh, then we got uh, Lenora, who is uh, the normal-type gym leader. She'll give you the basic badge. We got Berg. He is a bug-type gym leader. He will give you the insect badge. Then we got uh, Liza. She'll give you... Oh, she's the electric gym leader, and she'll give you the bolt badge. We got Clay. He is the ground-type gym leader. He'll give you a quake badge. We got Skylar, who's one of my favorite gym leaders. She's a really cool-designed... Um, gym leader and uh, she is the flying type gym leader she'll give you the jet badge then we got uh, Bryson he is the ice type gym leader he'll give you the freeze badge generation 3 sorry generation 5 they still got the freeze badge name ready to be taken didn't use freeze before there you go and then the last badge is the dragon type specialist and depending on what version of the game sort of de- determined what uh, gym leader you would verse. So we've got Drayden, who I think you will verse in Pokemon White. I can't quite remember. And uh, Iris, who you will verse in Pokemon Black, if my guess is right. And um, yeah, this was a pretty cool concept. Uh, obviously in Pokemon Sword and Shield, we once again saw uh, the exclusive uh, moves, or exclusive gym leaders, sorry, depending on what version of the game you're playing. But really quite cool. And they'll give you the legend badge. I'm just going to click on Drayden's name here just to see if I was right. So, uh, Drayden is the gym leader of Bloody City. Uh, not officially. Yep. He's, he's the mayor. He specializes in dragon type. Yep. So, in Pokemon White. Um, Pokemon White, you versus Iris. So, in Pokemon Black, you versus Drayden. Well, I got that wrong. Oh, well. Got to gotta hang this up, episode up, up and just... Just walk out here just head down you know what I mean <laughs> oh man alright so let's jump into the gym leader music and I don't know, got high expectations for this absolutely love the mu- battle music so far
Oh, she slaps. She slaps. <laughs> Just waiting for like the build up bit. Bit coming up here. I turned up. That is such a good theme. I knew it was going to be good, but yeah, I haven't listened to that in a long time. That is awesome. I love, God, I love that theme so much. And uh, in these games, they actually introduced sort of a brand new musical feature, I guess. So when you're on to the last Pokemon of a big battle, whether it was a gym leader or an evil team boss or whatever, the music actually changed. So we're down to the last Pokemon and the music would turn to this. When it changed to this, you're like, oh my god, I'm so close. And some of the battles, whether it was like Clay and his extra drill, or Skylar and the goddamn Swanner, or whatever their Trump Pokemon was, you knew you were so close. You were going to beat them. You were going to kick their ass. And um, if you lost when you heard this music, you're like, oh, so close. <laughs> so close. But yeah, I think this is a really nice feature how it sort of changed this and how it also went like do 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 happened when uh, your Pokemon was getting low on health. That only beeped a little bit, then calmed down after like three seconds. That was also nice because when it just kept on doing it, it's like, all right, shut, the, shut up. I know my Pokemon's on red health. <laughs> Leave me alone. All right, so say we're battling Clay and we finally take down that extra drill. We won. Congratulations. We've got the badge. We can add it to our Poker. Not our Pokedex. You can add it to your badge pocket. There it is. There it is. Ah, oh, now we can uh, we can relax a little bit after that big tense gym battle. So this is just the music for like from one of the gates, how you go through to the next route or onto a bridge or something like that. It's nice. It's actually nice after that intense <laughs> tense music. I'm not even kidding. But let's, let's continue on. Let's go to Sky Arrow Bridge. Whoa. That's <laughs> got the wind effects in there too. So Sky Arrow Bridge, it's um, one of the many bridges in this game. This this region just loves goddamn bridges. <laughs> uh. I don't remember there being such um, high-powered, <laughs> high-powered wind sounds in this game, but yes, it is. This is a nice windy badge, and not badge, bridge. And a lot of the bridges in this game, you can there's like shadows where you can run into, and that encounters a wild Pokemon. Uh, a lot of them have like a ducklet that you can burst, which is a, a water flying type. It's just like a derpy duck, which is uh, I always like ducklet. I thought it's pretty cute and silly. 
Um, but evolving into Swanna is it's a cool story. The ugly duckling evolving into the beautiful swan. What that Pokemon sort of based off. So a lot of these, um, yeah, ducklet reminds me of like a lot of these, uh, all these bridges. I'm just going to go to one of the bridges. So what have we got here? We've got Sky Arrow. So we've got a Sky Arrow bridge. Ooh. She can't, I can't find it here. Never. I'll find any bridge, eh? How about that? We're banging Castleta City, so that'd be fun. I finally found Skyro Bridge. So Skyro Bridge is a long suspension bridge that connects the southern of part of Unova, part to the Ferris Wheel, uh, pin, sorry, Pinwheel Forest, in central Unova. So yeah, just um, heap of big bridges pretty much. Like this region is made up of bridges. Be good to find out how many bridges are in this game because there's a lot. <laughs> there's, there's, there's one, two, three, four, five. Is it like, there's at least five bridges. Too many bridges, you know. You think Holwyn had too much water? You know, if he's got too many bridges, there, there, I said it. <laughs> right. So let's move on to uh, one of the characters, N. And this is the battle music. Let's describe a bit about N while this music's going on. So N is a character in Black and White and Pokemon Black and White too. He was the puppet uh, leader of Team Plasma in Pokemon Black and White and inspired to create separate worlds for humans and Pokemon. His full name is Natural uh, Harmonia Groupius. So it's just like, that name makes no sense. Like the natural bits, like, yeah, I guess, you know, he's, uh, he's uh, he loves Pokemon. He's making sure they get their, their rights and all that in due. But Natural Harmonia Groupius. Like, I don't know. Don't know about that. So when N was young, he was orphaned and left in the woods. There he was raised by Pokemon. One day, Getsus came, claiming to be his father, and raised him to be king of Team Plasma. According to uh, Cordoria, uh, N's uh, heart is pure and innocent. As a child, he was raised together with Pokemon and was isolated from humans. Getsus would only let N see Pokemon that had been hurt by humans. Based on the continents of his room in, in his castle, as a kid he appeared to be interested in skateboarding, uh, transportation such as planes and trains, uh, basketball and darts. He also had uh, many brand new toys. Pokemon have played with his toys and his skateboard is covered with claw marks and scratches. The seven sages educated him in many subjects. So he had just, you know, pretty messed up childhood. He basically got kidnapped in some ways by Getsus, who is just a all-round arsehole. I think Getsus is like one of the biggest arseholes in the whole series. Like, you know, that's saying a lot because a lot of the evil teams are, you know, the bad people. They want to do bad things. But yeah, just actually like doing this to a kid is uh, pretty unforgivable. Just like brainwashing them for his own right, which is just awful. So while we're talking about N's room, I just want to... Uh, Give a shout out to James W on Twitter at Oh my God, more James. And when I asked his favorite sort of uh, aspect of the Unova region, he replies simply with N's room was a trip. 
and you know Anne's room was a pretty big trip back when you're actually um, exploring the games for the first time and you find his room in the castle it's actually a pretty cool story um, building part of the game when you sort of like find out like alright who is this guy but then you find out how he was raised and all that so no pretty cool pretty cool so um, James definitely agree with you there Anne's room was a goddamn trip you don't have to smoke anything around here. You just play Pokemon Black and White, and you go to Ends Room, and that's your weekend sorted. That's uh, that's as much of a trip you'll ever need. <laughs> uh, all right, so let's move on to the bicycle theme. What's it like in this? I can't remember the bike. Ooh. Now, would you just hit the select button just so you can get that bit of a drum solo all the time? You're just like, all right, um, off the bike, on the bike. <laughs> just to get that, I would. Off your bike, on the bike. <laughs> I, li- I, li- I like that opening quite a bit. <laughs> One more time. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Like, can you tell? Can you tell I've been uh, sitting here recording this still? <laughs> All right, so this made our this made our champion, champion Alda. And I got to admit, Alda is one of the most forgettable champions in the whole series. Not because he's uninteresting, and not because he's like a not cool-looking trainer, I guess, but just because of his uh, sort of role in the story. He shows up a fair bit to help help the player and stuff, but. Because of like the ending of the game where you don't actually verse the champion on the initial run, um, it's, it does actually take a fair bit away from the champion, but in the same time, it is a completely different ending to most games. So it's another reason why this game stands out quite a bit. So just reading from Bulbapedia. Um, Alda is the champion of the Unova region in the region's Pokemon League, Pokemon Black and White. In Pokemon Black and White, Alda appears wandering, uh, wandering champion of Unova. Uh, the player first meets him on Route 5, where he's seen with Charon. After the two are discussing Charon's ambitions and goals as a trainer. At this point, Charon is aiming to be the champion of Unova. Alda appears at several points in the game to help the player put a stop to the plans of Team Plasma by making appearance, appearances at Relic Castle and Ends Castle. And uniquely for a champion, Alda cannot be battled the first time the player challenges the Pokemon League. By the time the player is ready to challenge him, Alda has already defeated by N. Uh, the player must then battle N, putting each other's beliefs on the line to determine the future of Unova. So we'll get into that later when we actually get to the Pokemon League side of things, but um, basically when you get to versus the champion, he's already been defeated and then you've got to go and versus Team Plasma who have taken over the Pokemon League. Which was a really cool twist because up to, up to this point, you know, it's all pretty cookie cutter. You get to the Elite Four, you beat them, you beat the champion, congratulations, you've beaten the game, but not so much in this one. Alright, so this is uh, Driftfield Drawbridge. And th- unlike sort of the other bridges, this is, uh, like the name suggests, a drawbridge. And it's the bridge that connects Driftvale City to Route 5. It is a pride of Driftvale City and also referenced as uh, Charizard Bridge for its beauty and elegance. Charizard Bridge. They've always got a sneaker bloody Charizard reference in there. Charizard doesn't even exist! 
in Unova. You can't catch a Charmander. No one has a Charmander. It's far away from Kanto. But they still got to sneak Chars out in there, don't you, Game Freak? You cheeky boys and girls over there, tell you what. Um, yeah. So, pretty cool that it sort of opens up and that. And um, that's also a reason why you um, can't progress because the drawbridge is raised. So, you got to wait till it goes down, then you can progress. So, pretty cool. Pretty cool stuff. Um, we'll listen to the Route 6 music. Then we go to Chargestone Cave. This was a really cool cave, just with its aesthetics, just like the um, rocks for electrified. And this is where you can catch um, Gavantula, which is pretty cool. So that's why I remember this place pretty well. We're up to uh, uh, Miss Trailton City, and the description is: Vegetables are grown by the runway and transported by a cargo plane. And this is where you verse the uh, verse Skylar, the flying type gym leader, because there's an airport there, so it has to be flying type. <laughs> That's how they uh, <laughs> make that make sense, I guess. So. Uh, Miss Charlton uh, City is located in Western Unova. It lies directly north of Chardstone Cave. It is uh, geographically positioned between three mountain ranges. North of Miss Charlton City is Route 7 and the uh, Celestial Tower, a prominent place of burial and mourning for deceased Pokemon in Unova. The city is famous for its airport, which imports and exports cargo around Unova region and beyond. The city is home to Skylar, uh, a pilot who's also a Miss Charlton City's uh, gym leader. So, nice. Uh, I really like this town. This has had this really cool rule setting. And it was also kind of weird seeing uh, vehicles in the Pokemon universe, especially a plane. We never really saw this. And while it doesn't really mean that much, it was just kind of cool world building. So that's sort of my memories of going here. It's like, wow, a plane. You sort of run around it and go, cool. <laughs> Alright, let's talk about another character who's prominent to Bianca's story. And this is a Papa Juniper's theme. And uh, Papa Juniper is, I guess, uh, Bianca's father. And uh, in Pokemon Black and White, Bianca's father is first seen in the family home at the beginning of Pokemon Black and White. There he forbids his daughter from going on a journey because it would be too dangerous. Bianca left, left on her journey with the player and Sharon anyway, but was, she was so confronted by her dad once she reached Umbasa City. He goes there in order to force her to go back with him. Um, Elsa, not Elsa. Uh, uh, 
uh, oh, sorry, Eliza soon came to her defense, telling her father that she needs to have more faith in his daughter. Hearing her words, he had a change of heart and let her continue on her journey. Despite uh, uh, his spot, uh, Sprite is a male poker fan. Okay. So cool. Sort of a nice little, uh, I guess, arc there with uh, Bianca and her father being like, oh, I can't do it. It's like, yes, oh, you can't do it. It's like, yes, I can. And it's like, okay, yes, you can. And she turned out to be, yeah, turned out to go quite well. So good on her. Good on you, Bianca. <laughs> So this is Icarus City. So Icarus City, uh, in winter the city is covered with snow as far as the eye can see. And uh, it's in the northwestern Unova. Uh, Icarus City is connected to Twist Mountain to the west and Route 8 to the east. To the north of Icarus City lies the uh, Dragon Spiral Tower. Uh, the majority of Icarus City's buildings um, are located on high ground due to the surrounding area being in a wet climate and having a large large puddles containing wild Pokemon. Windmills can also be seen towards the south end of the city. Moving on to the, the Dragon Spiral Tower. This is a pretty important part of the games which we sort of described in the, uh, the Pokemon's uh, Pokemon Black and White's lore with the splitting of the dragon type Pokemon. So Dragon Spiral Tower is an old tower where Zekrom and Reshiram were sealed um, in the Dark Stone and the Light Stone depending on what um, version of the game you have after the war thousands of years ago uh, until it was woken by N. It is located in the western part of Unova just above Icarus City though it is not known who built it or where it was built. It is the oldest uh, structure in Unova. It is said that this is where the legendary Pokemon are created and slumber. Um, Reshiram Zekrom can be found either here after the credits if the player has a full party and uh, NPC uh, when prompted to catch them at N's castle because players are not forced to catch them under these circumstances. If the player brings the Darkstone or Lightstone to the top of the tower after receiving it from N, Zekrom or Reshiram will um, will turn back to its regular form once the dragon's... Uh, once... Sorry. From... Form from its Dragonstone form. Okay, yeah, there's a lot of forms and froms there. Sorry. Uh, allowing the player to capture it. So, yeah, if you don't capture it, like, at the Pokemon League bit, you can come back here and catch it, fortunately. It doesn't just uh, go into nothingness. But it's just, it's a pretty cool area. It's just, like, a big part of the story. So, kind of a, kind of an important one to touch on as we go through here. What else do we have? we got we got the Relic Castle. This is a pretty important part of the game too. So Relic Castle is a large castle and the ruins of an ancient city that is over 2,500 years old, located in the middle uh, desert resort. It's made up of several floors and a maze. Um, but the main thing that uh, you might remember this uh, part of the game by is that you can actually go to the bottom floor and catch a, Vol a Volcarion... So a 
Volcriona. <laughs> I can't, can't pronounce it for whatever reason. Um, but yeah, this is the only place you can catch one in these games. So, a pretty cool battle. You can catch it at level 70, which is a very strong Pokemon. Um, but maybe not in these games, because there was a quite, quite a big power creep in these games. Alright, so let's, let's keep progressing and let's go to a tube line bridge. Why not? Let's go to another bridge. I don't know what makes this bridge um, like memorable. So it's a large bridge in Unova between Route 8 and Route 9. Uh, single trains from the Battle Subway can be seen passing below the bridge. Oh yeah, so it's got like a mesh bottom and you can see trains going forward and backwards. So yeah, just like another really cool sort of gra graphical um, effect they used on the DS here to really like bring this game to life, which is pretty cool. It's more on the music you can sort of hear like train tracks and stuff in, remix into it. Alright, so let's uh let's let's get to the end. So let's uh let's go to Victory Road. And it takes uh it takes a lot to get here. There's a lot of team plasma to take down. Gym leaders uh are on your side. Don't you worry about that. <laughs> but um, Victory Road, much like a lot of other Victory Roads, you know, they can be quite tough. And this one was like a real sort of pain, but I remember uh, basically like you got to like progress up the tower and you come out of the cave and you go back into the cave and it's like very much like a maze. So, yeah, good luck with that. Um, I think it's like one of the most annoying ones I could like just off the top of my, br my mind. I haven't played it for like five years at this point. So it's been a long time since I got to this point in the game, but it was just like a bit of a pain. But you get through that and we get to the Pokemon League. some serious music there. We know some stuff's going to go down. The Elite Four will not go easy on us. So before we get into the Elite Four music, let's uh, let's talk about um, some of the battles we'll be facing. So, um, uh, so we've got Chantel, who is the Ghost-type specialist. At her Pokemon, they start at level 48 um, to level 50. So first one, not too bad. Then we've got Grimsley, who is the Dark-type specialist. We've got Caitlyn, who is the Psychic Specialist. Um, we've got Marshall, who is the Fighting-type Specialist. And, oh yeah, that's it. That's the Elite Four. Gotcha. It's <laughs> just like a tiny one. And then, obviously, we got our champ Champion Elder. So let's jump into an Elite Four battle. I haven't heard this one in a long time, so let's, uh, let's enjoy it together.
throw another absolutely, absolutely solid battle theme. Um, really cool. Like, I, I couldn't believe how much uh, I love the uh, the gym leader one. It's just... I remember it being awesome, but holy shit, I remember that one. just really got me. <laughs> just surprised me so much. Alright, so then this is the uh, the theme when the uh, Pokemon League gets uh, besieged by Team Plasma. The castle arises out of the Pokemon League. And I remember this bit just being like, oh my god. It's actually a really cool thing. So this next one's called Embracing the Mission. Yeah, so this is just the background music for when you're getting around. And we've got Ends Castle. I feel like one of the coolest sort of areas in the, um, the whole series. So obviously we talked about N's room before, but um, N's castle is located where uh, Reshiram or Zekram can be caught. It's Team Plasma's supreme headquarters and is owned by N. Both Looker and Team Plasma Grunt in the Pokemon League Pokemon Center refer to the castle as Team Plasma's castle. After the events of Pokemon Black and White, the castle can, cannot be visited again. However, in Pokemon Black, Black and White 2, the player can access its ruins from Victory Road. Uh, its location is unmarked on the map until the player discovers it. And this just like arises from the Pokemon League and it's just like absolutely massive. And this is where like the fin fin finale is between all the gym leaders, yourself, the champion, your rivals. And it's just like an absolutely just epic ending to a, a Pokemon game. It's not just like, oh, it's you, Gary, or Blue, or whatever you call him. I guess I'm going to beat you again, even though you're so cocky and you think you beat me all the time, but... You haven't beaten me once and I killed your Eradicate, so I don't know what you're on about. <laughs> so yeah, very cool area. The Pokemon Child End. This is during a cutscene. We've got End's Dragon, Zekrom. This is, this is the uh, cutscene as it's uh, arising. And we'll see what the uh, the change of music is from uh, Reshiram's music. Cool. So we we'll go to Reshiram's now. Might be the same. <laughs> Just a different cry. Yeah, pretty much the same. So uh, the dragon awakens. So this is the music just as its its sprite appears and you can go up and click on it. Well, that's, that is so cool. Okay, so let's have a battle. Let's go into the battle music with Reshiram.
So let's uh, let's dive into a little more about the legendary Pokemon of this game. So Reshiram is a dual-type fire dragon Pokemon that was introduced in Generation 5. It is not known to evolve into any form, uh, so into into or form into any other Pokemon. Reshiram is the game mascot for Pokemon Black, appearing as the boxer, along with Zekrom and Kiram, is a member of the uh, uh, Tado Trio, which... Uh, exists in the Legends of Unova region. Reshiram fuses with Kyurem using the DNA splices to become White Kyurem. This is the feature in Pokemon Black and White 2 where uh, it, they actually fuse back with Kyurem. Kyurem being the shell of the legendary dragon that once existed. So they are able to fuse back with the DNA splices. This is a big aspect of the story going forward. Um, so Kyurem, in addition to its natural form, has two other forms, White Kyurem and Black Kyurem. Uh, they are the game mascots for Pokemon Black and White 2, which they will introduce him. In the games, Kyurem changes its form through using the DNA splices, which fuses uh, with Kyurem or Zekrom. The combination retains Kyurem's Pokeball, Held Item, and Game of Origin. Personality value, IVs, EVs, sorry, just everything, yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, Pokerus. Um... This uh, fusion is reversible with uh, Zekrom or uh, Reshiram um, un alternated from before it being infused, uh, including whatever item it may have been holding. So yeah. Basically, it just like gobbles it up and just makes it into nothing. <laughs> and a bit more about Reshiram before we sort of went on that tangent of its uh, of its fusion. But Reshiram is white, a bipedal Pokemon with a Draconic uh, mammalism traits um, along uh, wispy mane streams out from the upper side of its uh, stout, or snout, sorry, and uh, outwards from its head. The top of its mane is um, adorned with two, uh, like, and this is just like a description of it. Stuff I'm stuttering over because I've been talking for that long. <laughs> So yeah, cool stuff. That's it. I don't know if the battle with um, Zekrom had different music, so let's jump into that one. So it sounds, it sounds the exact same. <laughs> so Zekrom is an electric dragon Pokemon that was the mascot of Pokemon White version. And I remember like people at the time like, why is, <laughs> why is the black Pokemon the mascot of the white version? I always said just like, you know, the white Pokemon isn't going to stand out on a white background, silly. So they got to have to make it the opposite colours. That's just how art works. <laughs> that's, that's just what I used to think anyway. Whether that's the actual reason, I don't know. But uh, yeah. Alright, so then we get into a battle with N. This is a decisive, decisive battle.
another really cool and unique sort of uh, battle theme. So let's move into uh, sort of Getz's theme, then the battle theme as the final boss of the game. And Getsus Harmonious Groupius is one of the executives of Team Plasma and is the main antagonist of Pokemon Black and White. He's noted for, for being the only crime syndicate uh, executive from the main series of Pokemon games who serves as the final trainer in the game, as opposed to the usual champion. Unlike previous uh, crime syndicate exclusives, Gessius is not fully loyal to Team Plasma's goal. Instead, manipulating N, his adoptive son, to use Team Plasma for his own selfish purpose and be the only trainer left in the world with Pokemon, thus granting himself the power to become a dictator. Here we go. We've got we to gotta stop this uh, dictatorship from happening in the Pokemon world. Because he's a piece of shit. Gotta, gotta be honest with you, everyone. He is not a nice man. Oh, this sounds good. Look at this percussion rolling in. So for this battle, it's actually pretty pretty hard. So he uses four four full revive, full full potions. God, I can't even say that. Uh, he uses a confagrigus. Confagrigus. Yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah, my mouth is falling apart. But <laughs> he uses a buffalant, uh, semi toad, uh, B sharp. Uh, Electros and Hydrogen. So he has a real hard team, and that Hydrogen is just a menace. Uh, it's one of the most pain in the ass Pokemon in the whole series. It's got Dragon Pulse, Surf, Fire Blast, and Focus Blast. And it's only level 54, and Hydrogen doesn't evolve until level 64. So he's um he's cheating. <laughs> this music is still going. All right. So then we beat Getsus, and there's no more dictatorship, and we've won. Congratulations, everyone. We've won the game. We've stopped Team Plasma from doing their bullshit until the sequel comes along, and we're all good. But there's actually still a lot to do in the Unova region. It has a pretty cool uh, post-game to do. There's plenty to do. There's legendary Pokemon to catch. There's a battle subway. Um, it's a fair bit to do and in the sequels as well there's plenty to do as well so we'll just touch on a couple of things including the uh, the actual last uh, champion battle which we haven't done yet because Getz has came and ruined it all <laughs> so let's talk about the legendary Pokemon so this is a legendary Pokemon battle So the first one we might come across if you're lucky enough to buy the game at launch, you'll have access to Victini through a mystery gift. Victini is found on Liberty Island and is a psychic fire type. It's a, it's a mythical Pokemon, not a legendary Pokemon. But I actually played through with Victini because I um, bought the game at launch, so I was able to uh, redeem the uh, mystery gift in time. But if you get it now, like you've got no way of getting a uh, Victini. 
Um, part of like the, the legendary um, trio of this game is a Calabion. And it's the... Along with a Triakion and Vizion, which are the, the swords of justice in the game. They do a lot to sort of save Pokemon from burning fires and do a lot of good in the in the world. Next up, we have La uh, Landorus, uh, Tornadus, and Thunderous. And the story behind uh, these guys is that Tornadus and Thunderous rampaged across Unova, just racing across it, destroying towns, routes, all that in its process. And uh, Landorus was actually the one to punish these other two Pokemon and um, bring them down to ground. Um, then we have Kurum, who we talked about, along with our Zekrom and Reshiram. And yeah, that makes up the legendary Pokemon of Unova. Just very quickly before we uh, start wrapping things up. So let's see if we can find uh, the outer battle music here. We've got plenty, there's plenty more too. There's Black and White Forest, which were unique to these games. We got um, there's a battle with Cynthia you can do. She's actually staying in Unova, and you can verse her that way. Just uh, a lot, a lot to these games. All right, so let's jump into the outer music. When you go back and verse him, he actually has a really strong team. He's the most powerful Pokemon being level 77 Volcarona. Um, and so his team consists of a Boofalunt, a Drudgigon, uh, Vanillax, Scavalier, uh, yeah, Volcarona, and uh, uh, a Scalagore. So he's got a fair few bug Pokemon on there. Half his Pokemon being bug types, which is actually pretty cool. So yeah, like I said, one of the more forgettable uh, champions of the series, but still pretty cool rival nevertheless so now we've beaten the Pokemon League probably this time hasn't been infiltrated by a bunch of jerks we're actually able to defeat the champion and enter the Hall of Fame so congratulations everyone you're the champion of the Nova region one of the most diversive regions and games in the whole series of Pokemon but I think it was an absolutely fantastic run and it's definitely worth playing if you haven't played it. And even for me, it's been years at this point, so it's worth going back for me as well. Just to wrap up another few uh, sort of thoughts from some of our um, listeners on Twitter, as well as my co-host, who also left his, uh, his opinions, which is awesome. So to start off things, uh, we got one from uh, AfroEvan11 on Twitter. Actually, no, he's replying to Bryce, so we'll, we'll um, bring that up after we say Bryce's. <laughs> so, Bryce says, While Gen 5 started a bit slow and released with poor reception from fans, I knew in my own heart it was better than what people say it was. It was absolutely oozed in style from the minute I hit new game and got going. There's so much to say that Twitter comments aren't really enough. And I, I agree with that, and that's why I just did a hour and 45 minute podcast by myself. Um, a few hours in, I was already in love with most of the designs, characters, and core experience it provided. 
Unova region is absolutely gorgeous and has been my favorite design since Johto by far. It was uh, uh, accompanied by one of my favorite soundtracks too. Yeah, fantastic soundtracks, my man. Um, it fell flat in some areas, but the story was some uh, something so unique that even the first games, so I don't think they will ever be able to top it in terms of writing. Even if they brought out the greatest 3D game in the franchise that covered most of the first game's flaws. Speaking of Black and White 2, it's such a perfect follow-up game that I wish Pokemon that the Pokemon series did more things like it more. Uh, obviously, Gen 2 was the original true sequel, but Gen 5 and 2 does it perfectly. Black and White was already theme-heavy, but um, five, uh, sorry, Generation 5-2 introduces uh, some more seriously amazing story beats. Not only is the story now more respecting, loving, and preserving Pokemon as a whole, but it's also now about uh, uh, different ideals, uh, broken friendships, and the challenges that come with choosing your path over your Conrads. As a result, the Plasma Arc is uh, the best written villain story in all of Pokemon, starting with the unified minds only to be split into two depending on whom they respected most, N or Getsus. So much good uh, so much good dialogue comes out of this as a result. Uh, that is a chef's kiss. Mm. Uh, lastly, the region changes they made in black and white to uh, mix mix it up. Uh, mix it up gave the Unova region such a huge breath of fresh air. They're never really mixed up. A region over the series history is uh, and it's another thing I wish they did more. In remakes, especially especially. Uh, it makes the whole thing feel fresh. Anyway, that's far too much com commentary for me. I love Gen 5. Uh, everything about it is truly unique in the best way. I just wish people realized it a lot sooner because it does so much right and very little wrong. I love you, Generation 5. So, Bryce, thank you very much for taking the time to write all that. And I knew you were a super fan of these games and they're just absolutely fantastic. And what you said about sort of the progression of... Um, uh, Team Plasma and getting split depending on who they um, respect more, Getsus or N. Kind of a similar situation to Team Rocket disbanding in Generation 2, but this one's sort of, yeah, split ideals and they're clashing together along with the player character. And there's just uh, a lot of great story in the Unova region, just absolutely fantastic. All right, so now let's uh, jump into what... Um, hold on, where am I here? I've lost my tweets. Let's uh, jump into what Afro... Let me just get back up here. I'm sorry, everyone. Uh, what um, Afro Evan 11 said. So, wow, Revan, <laughs> what Revan said. I started a keen yet ended a Ted flat on black and white. But with black and white too, I was hooked. Still have uh, complete living decks in white too. Love the achievement badges. The only game in the series in history to do it. And I loved that feature. Kept you challenged for new things to do. Yeah, and that's something I haven't touched on actually. The um, the achievement system in Pokemon Black and White 2 was really cool. Uh, through different things, you achieved medals and those medals would be able to be tallied on your trainer card, I believe. And I never like jumped into it and like tried to get all the medals or anything, but still to this day, I wish the, the Switch or a Nintendo system had like a proper trophy or achievement system because I would just 100% every Pokemon game. I'd love that so much and... Black and White 2 was the closest thing we ever had to that level of achievement. So definitely agree with you there, man. That's an absolutely fantastic uh, thing to bring up. And a uh, good friend, Metadox, who you can find in the House of Mario Discord and uh, an episode 
coming up very soon on the House of Mario Encore, all about Pokemon. Um, these were his first games, so I was keen to hear what he said. So he says, oh boy, where do I start? Uh, bearing, uh, <laughs> bearing gets us with my M-Ball was a real challenge because I didn't know what a team was. But also in Black and White too, I found a shiny Bulldor. Uh, when I was told to go and play outside, uh, to which I took my DS outside and played outside. Ha ha. <laughs> so just like a fun little memory. Just like, go outside. I was like, okay, I will. I'll go and sit outside and play my goddamn DS. Because why not? <laughs> All right. So let's wrap this up with a bit of a Pokemon quiz. And... Uh, Oh, I'm just gonna pause the music. I'm oh, sorry. A bit of a Pokemon ki- quiz. Can we guess the cries of the Generation f- Five Pokemon? And uh, not that confident this time. Got to be honest. Got to be honest. Not that confident. So let's start it. We've got ten questions. Let's jump into it. So I'll read them out as we go along, so you guys can have a good shot at guessing the correct answer as well. So let me know on Twitter, the House of Murray Discord, or the YouTube comments what you guys got. If you beat me. Or if I beat you, if I beat you, sorry about that. I'm sorry. I'm just a Pokemon master as I rub my collar. <laughs> no, I'm joking. All right. So the first one, we got a choice out of Landorus, Pignite, Bravery, or Dwebble. All right. So I think that's Pignite. I'm choosing Pignite. Next up, we got Baldor, Watchhog, Vanillish, or Gofita. Ooh. That's got to be Goth Eater. Surely it's... Yeah. Yeah. That's my choice. So next up, we got Caudio, Melshina, uh, Joltik, or Menfu. Oh, what do you reckon that is? It's got to be Joltik. Yeah, I'm going Joltik. So next up, we've got uh, Zoroark, Unpheasant, uh, Elgium, or Tynamo. Ooh. Well, that's a, that's a sound, isn't it? Um, unpheasant, I think. All right. We've got Axu, Scrafty, Embor, or Terrakion. Ooh. <laughs> that's not an Axu. <laughs> All right. Uh, Embor? I don't think it's Terrakion. It could be either of them. All right. So next up, we've got Simisage, uh, Pansage, Vanillish, or Yamask. Uh, Pansage. I'd say it sounds like a monkey. <laughs> All right, got Golurk, Larvesta, Archaeops, or Squawk? Archaeops, I'd say. Next up, we've got Scolopede, uh, uh, Petalil, uh, Archaeops, or Semitoad? Scoropede, I'd say that's Scoropede. All right, next, we've got Tynamo, Blitzel, Electric, or Elgium? Okay, so I'm thinking Tynamo or Elgin. I think it's Tynamo. Yeah. Uh, Rufflet, sorry, next up we've got Rufflet. Uh, Mashayo? I, 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 don't, I don't think I've ever really known the name of this thing. Manshayo. Manshayo? I don't know. Um, Calabion or Pansir? No, Pansir. Sense. <laughs> I don't know. It's pretty obvious out of those. All right, I got. All right, so at the end, I got seven out of ten correct. So let me know what you guys got if you're following along at home. This is on PokerCries.com. 
So I got the first one right. I got Pig Knight. I got the second one right. I got Goth Eater. I got the third one right. I got Joltik. I got the fourth one wrong. It was not Unpheasant. It was Zoroark. So Zor- so this is what I... So, okay, that's Unpheasant. No, yeah, no joke. So you can, you can see why... Yeah, okay. All right, so I was wrong there. I got Embor right. I got Pansage right. I got question seven wrong. It was not Archaeops. It was Larvesta. So this is what it was. So that was Larvesta. Okay, completely different. <laughs> I got question eight right. Scolopede. got question nine right. It was Tynamo. And this is one I said was obvious, and it wasn't. It was Pansea. It was not Pansea. It was Rufflet. How is that a Rufflet sound? Oh. That sounds like such a monkey sound to Rufflet. <laughs> All right, you got me. You got me, Rufflet. You got me. <laughs> That's, I don't know. That sounds like a hell of a monkey to me anyway. All right. Anyway, guys, that brings us to the end of exploring the Unova region. If you got to this point of the podcast, uh, that means the world to me. Thank you so much for spending your time with me. I know these episodes are very long, so regardless of whether I can hold two hours of your attention or not, it's still very, very kind of you to stick with me this long. And I hope you enjoyed it and I hope you uh, continue to enjoy the content we're doing here at the House of Mario and our encores as well, celebrating 25 years of the Pokemon series. If you'd like to help out the show, you can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. You can you can subscribe to the YouTube channel, uh, which is iDruby. We're also posting the video version of this, which is uh, pretty cool, got to admit. And of course, check out the main show, The House of Mario, where we discuss Uh, each and every week, the recent happenings of Nintendo games and the community that plays them. So very fun stuff, enjoying it all, and uh, hope you enjoy. All right, guys, the doors to the House of Mario Encore are closed. I'll catch you next time.